morning, afternoon, or evening to our listeners who have tuned in for our lucky number seven episode of the Artful Nutmeg. We have an interesting episode today where we are looking at the rise of a certain manager named Will Still. You may have never heard of him, and that's understandable. It's an incredibly interesting deep dive into a manager who learned his craft in a unique way. I am one of your hosts, Tom Ferguson, and with me is our other host, Daniel Wise. Daniel, how's it going? Um, as the great Wimbledon player and, and British actor Vinnie Jones once said in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, it's been emotional. And it's been an emotional day after watching a, a absolute 4-1 uh, shellacking uh, by by Manchester City over Arsenal. Uh, one uh, one of the hardest games to like sit through. Um, mostly because like it's I wasn't so I had a feeling it was going to happen where Arsenal was going to lose. But um, I spent most of my time thinking more about the points that were dropped against uh, Liverpool and who who else? It was uh, uh, Southampton was was last Southampton, week. West Ham, West and Ham. Liverpool. Yeah, and just man, those are those are points that we uh, or you know the team really could have used. And it, you know, it Arsenal still holds the top spot, but uh, Manchester City, uh, bizarrely enough, has two games in hand and. It is looking really, really rough uh, going into these last set of games. I mean, it's pretty much like Arsenal has to take every single point, you know, or I, I want them to take three points in every single match. But I mean, it's it's one of those where it's got to be all wins or else. Yeah, they're going to be done, out of yeah. it very soon. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, at least at least the past three or four years. When we get to the spring, you know, end of the season, it Man City sort of goes into this higher gear. That's yeah, that basically is unstoppable. It's um, insane. But we we will get down to that game a little bit later. We are here to talk about the great Will Still, the current manager of Reims Football Club. That is in the top division of the French Football League. Now, Will Still. Will Still is an English coach who was born in Belgium to British parents. He grew up in Belgium and he went to a French language school where he was able to learn French. And then he also learned Dutch by playing for a Flemish football club. He does have some football history as a player, though. He went to St. Trudin and Mons youth teams and finally played for Mons reserve team in amateur club Tempo Overies, back then playing in the Belgium fourth division. But, you know, there's an interesting wrinkle to how he has become a coach because he actually kind of figured it out very early that this was the route he wanted to take. Uh, I, I don't know if he... Yeah. Didn't it, maybe he saw it in the stars that maybe he wasn't going to be a uh, uh, you know high level professional football 
footballer or if he really just had the coaching aspirations. But how what sort of helped him figure that out? Obviously, when he was 17, he made the decision that, you know, maybe being a player wasn't it. That wasn't the future for him. But he did have another love apart from playing footy. He was obsessed with two different video games. The video games are Football Manager and Championship Manager. So Will made the decision at 17 to quit his playing career and focus on management. So I mean, that's pretty crazy. It's, it's super crazy, but I guess, you know... I think for casual listeners there, you know, some might be familiar with like the FIFA uh, football video games um, to a lesser extent, maybe even uh, uh, Pro Evolution or Winning Eleven. Remember that old uh, it was kind of like the rival to FIFA. But these are very different games. They're not necessarily the control the player on the field types. Yeah, it's like you're the front office and the manager, and that's it. You do not determine the how the game ends. If you lose, you lose. Yeah, it is all about being the coach. I mean, it's pretty. It's it's something that has always been really big in England, and it certainly has caught on here in the United States, especially football manager, championship manager was like 15 years ago so that Mm -hmm. isn't really as current anymore but football manager is a great game where you basically don't play but you make (laughs) all the decisions well it's interesting because there's a really funny meme uh it was a girl who was tweeting about how she was hanging out with her boyfriend and she was watching him play football manager and all she saw was him reading emails and she was like is this what guys love doing it like outside of work is still work and people were like yeah no the that's the part that's awesome about this is like it, and it's it's become so extreme where like they've even included their own like fictional social network within the game where yeah. like you on a weekly basis you're reading tweets about you or your players and it's kind of nuts it's really cool. And you get to do everything from um, from talking to your players to in-game decision-making, like, you know, trying to berate. You could berate one player if he's not playing well. Mm-hmm. You can change your tactics on the fly. It's really cool, and it really makes a big difference in how your team performs. Now, I've, I always play as Ipswich, uh, which is a team that is currently in second place of the third English league, so the third tier. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always get fired within six months, every single That's time. That's a bummer. <laughs> I, I, I'm not the man for the job. <laughs> I tried jumping into uh, a, a season with Wolfsburg, uh, you know, when uh, DC United sold Kevin Paredes right. over there, um, I I took the persona of of my wife's grandfather and I was nice. like, yep, let's let's see. Let's see how how old Tom can do it. And oh, Tom got fired his first year uh, <laughs> with Wolfsburg. So but, you know, it mostly, you know, I am uh, I'm somewhat new 
to the series. I think I actually put most of my time into it last season. The first time I ever tried playing football manager, I was like, yeah, this this seems fun. Like, you know, make it. It's pretty much like FIFA season simulating, but like, you know, with extra steps. But then you get in there and it it like you are like doing interviews. You are uh, actually like doing like complex player negotiations when it comes to uh, making deals with teams on the transfer markets and then making the actual deals with the players. You can you can kind of like customize it how you want. You can be like fully like Arsene Wenger, like hands on everything, uh, or you can just set it so that your assistants kind of handle all the day to day stuff and you can can work on exactly and you can work on actually like the training of your team so like they have a simulation built in where like they have players who are on form they have like sharpness and then they have kind of like a player fitness gauge as well and you're sort of working around the training sessions trying to push your players to a certain extent and then you know letting off certain other ones who might be injury prone and then trying to kind of kind of balance that out like tactically so when you get to the game and you're watching it you you're really only kind of like yeah like you said you can like shout at your players uh to play more aggressively or sit back or or however you want to do it uh it's it's really interesting stuff and it's a fun fun game yeah it's amazing now i don't want to get too off track because we are focusing on the man himself will still so i'll give a little bit of a quick uh coaching history so We'll still decide to move to England to start studying at Myersco College in Preston, which is in Lancashire of England, because he wanted to learn how to become a coach, which is a crazy thing that you can take at college. Like, I want to be a coach. I'm going yeah. to college for that. Now, still started his career as an assistant of the U14 manager of Preston North End. At that club, he did an internship as part of his football studies at Myerscove College. In 2014, he became the video analysis of St. Troyden, now in the Belgian First Division. After successfully using a match analysis to convince manager Yannick Ferreira, which is very cool because this ties back into his football manager mm-hmm. using match analysis. Now, in 2015, the team was promoted to the Belgian First Division. But when Ferreira switched to standard leash, still followed him. That season, Standard Liege won the Belgian Cup, but in the September of 2016, both Ferreira, the head coach, and all his assistants were sacked. Now, in April of 2017, still started a new position at the second division team called Leers, combining the video analysis job with the assignment as assistant manager of probably, probably one of my favorite names, Frederick van der Beest. That is very cool. That's a fantastic name. Now, when Vanderbeest got fired, Will Still was made the caretaker manager. But here's an interesting thing. He does. Will Still does not have a full coaching license. Mm -hmm. So Lears had to sign a coach within 60 days, which they did. So they wouldn't be fine. Now, this leads us to the end of the 2017-2018 season, where Lears was declared bankrupt. We saw Will Still leave for the club, Beershot, which is another great name. Mm-hmm. And this eventually led him to working as assistant coach to Daniel's favorite coach ever, Hernan Lusada. 
That's for another time. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, yes, Daniel and Hernan Lasada, very good friends. I, I promise you. <laughs> now, when in January of 2021, Losada left to coach DC United in the MLS and Will Still became the caretaker coach. Now, at the end of the 2021 season, despite them finishing ninth, which is pretty impressive, Beershot's owners decided they needed someone with more experience. And that's when they signed Peter Mays to help take them into the next season. So, following his departure from Beershot, Will Still joined League One team. Reams as manager to as assistant manager to head coach Oscar Garcia. Now, guys, this is where things get really interesting, right? Yep. So after Garcia was sacked on the 13th of October in 2022, Will still took over as caretaker manager. This is a guy who is 30 years old, by the way. Yeah. And I and mean, even before that, like even in, yeah, he was. 24 and you know coaching guys who were you know either his age or several years his senior so like that's so wild he's had to like really build up kind of a lot of like intestinal fortitude and confidence to to be able to sort of do what he's doing right now yeah i mean i'd like I, w- I was like the unofficial coach of like our Sunday league team. And even that was, <laughs> even that was stressful. Even yeah. that I was like, dude, like these guys are asking me what they should do. And I have no idea. <laughs> well, <laughs> like I need to actually study this. And I can, I can add this to the uh, show notes, but I want to say you sent me a video of Will still uh, talking to his players and he was switching between three different languages, his, you know, native English, Dutch and French. And that's so wild. And he did it so in such a way that like, you know, he was speaking so everyone could sort of hear him and understand him. And I mean, the the way he talked, like he commanded a lot of respect and attention from his players. And and he he's kind of the guy he he says what's, you know, in his heart, and it's pretty cool seeing that. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, so we talked earlier about how he went to um, he went to a French school growing up, and then he also learned Dutch from playing in a uh, Flemish league. So it's really cool how those experiences really came with him. Like, <sighs> being able to know three languages at the age of 30 is pretty crazy. So with Will Still also being this caretaker manager now he went on an undefeated stretch of five games and they decided to appoint him as manager for the rest of the 2022 to 2023 season becoming the youngest manager in europe's top five leagues as we said at the age of 30 uh could you imagine if Cristiano ronaldo played for reams because that man is 39 years old and, and what could you possibly say to Cristiano? Like <laughs> <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> but I think, you know, go, you know, sort of later on and we, we, you know, kind of diving in, uh, he actually has a tremendous amount of humility. He, uh, yeah. He had a really good interview with sky sports and he, you know, answers answers a question very beautifully where he sort of gives a lot of context to his background and how he approaches being a coach. Right. So Daniel, I don't know if you want to explain this or I can, but yeah. Um, could you explain 
what's the issue with him and his coaching badges? Yes. So due to not having all of his coaching badges, uh, Rames were fined 25,000 euros uh, for every game that he coached. Uh, So since he was lacking coaching badges, uh, they are required to be considered a professional coach, uh, particularly in UEFA, uh, where, you know, the the these top leagues are sort of. Uh, bound by the laws. And so right. uh, UEFA licenses are split into three amateur c- categories and then a pro license. Coaches work from a C to A license uh, as prerequisites to the pro license. In total, this can be costly as a time and financial investment. Uh, the entire system can run up to 15,000 pounds. And wow. th- it's also on top of weeks of work. Uh, if you want your, you know, sort of UEFA C-level license, it's something like 16 to 20 weeks of online and face-to-face lectures uh, followed by a test. And so these are, you know, that is $500. And then I think it gets up to $950 for your B license and then uh, $3,000 for the A license, and then it's about ninety five hundred uh, for for that pro license. So God, that's it so takes, much money. It takes a considerable amount of time and and work. But so what's actually kind of interesting is now that he is uh, on this track to getting his pro license, uh, Reams d- does not get fined anymore because yes. he is, it, it's very much like he has to do it within a certain time frame. It's kind of like getting a t- teacher license. You can teach technically without a license, as long as you, you know, have, uh, your, your sort of bachelor degree and whatnot. I'm only saying this cause my, my wife's a teacher and I just, uh, am kind of painting that sort of, uh, relation there. But, uh, yeah. So it's now that he's on his way to getting his license. Uh, those fines have stopped. So yeah, no, it's really cool that he has reached this level and, uh, that's awesome for Reams, uh, to, hand him the keys like that he's really proven himself and that's awesome yeah and i mean the thing the thing with him is we have to remember his football manager background right so Mm -hmm. the club was used to playing a three defenders five midfielders and two strikers and he he undoubtedly it's funny because i use the same style on football manager as well uh, but I, I haven't gotten my my coaching uh, call up yet, unfortunately, <laughs> but <laughs> he will still switch them to a four, two, three, one high press style, which is one of the more popular tactics in football manager. Now, as he started with this style, he started his tenure as head coach at rings with a 14 game unbeaten streak in all competitions which is crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. 14 games unbeaten with a team that, if you're not familiar with uh, the French League One, there are, well, there's one team that everyone knows. It's PSG. Yep. Uh, you might have heard some of the names. Neymar, Mbappe, Messi, they all play for them, right? They're currently top of the league. Reims is supposed to be a middle-to-the-back-end sort of team. 
and they are currently sitting in eighth place. So they are actually they're they're kind of pushing on sort of that top four. They're not too far off. So I would be very interested if they could do that. But yeah. Continuing on, they had this 14-game unbeaten streak in all competitions until a loss against Toulouse, 3-1, to in the Coupe de France round of 16. But they also had two draws against the leaders, Paris Saint-Germain, also known as PSG. That's pretty crazy that you're able to yeah. coach a team as a 30-year-old man against the likes of Messi, Mbappe, Neymar. I mean, Sergio Ramos is in there, too. Donnarumma is in there, too. Hakimi's in there, too. Ferrari's in there, too. Yeah. Like, this is a team. This is like the Monstars from, <laughs> from Space Jam. Well, and, and, you know, not to take anything away, you know, because, you know, it's PSG has had a, you know, downbeat of a year. Yeah. But um, still... Uh, taking reams and and getting that draw like is super super cool and like yeah I, that's that's a game he totally earned against a absolute powerhouse yeah i mean they are i mean every single year they're one of the favorites to win the champions league for some reason they keep screwing it up but I, I find it hilarious mm-hmm. but yeah to be able to go and do that i mean that's like I'm trying to put it into English Premier League terms. That is like mm, Crystal Palace tying to Manchester City. Yeah. Like you wouldn't expect it. Home and away. I mean, that's that's pretty nuts. But I went, it, in March recently, actually, just last, last month? Yeah. Uh, they, with a 1-0 win against Monaco, they were able to extend their unbeaten start in the league, in the league, the 17 matches starting, starting a new league one record. That's, that's a, awesome. That's an amazing accomplishment at 30 years old. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm about a year and a half away from that. And yeah, I, I still don't make my bed every morning. <laughs> um gosh yeah well you know imagine being 36 and and saying that um but that's that's really cool because um i remember uh when i was in college i was actually doing um video work for uh my school's team uh oh, no <laughs> i actually got yeah so i got in um pretty close with the coaches and um at a certain point, I was, you know, kind of uh, participating in um, some of the practices as sort of a student coach. Um, I don't know if I held it at a as a official capacity or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I was very interested and I uh, there was a uh Coach uh, uh, Homolka was his name, uh, who kind of took me under his wing and, and taught me a lot. But I got the political bug uh, bite when I was in my senior year. So then that's what ended up kind of sending me over to uh, Washington, D.C. Um, so that's that's kind of wild. But, you know, that's that's super cool. I have a lot of respect for that, that he, you know, has has really taken the steering wheel in his own career and he's been able to do a lot with it. And it's super tough to kind of getting get into that coaching kind of in the tra- traditional sense into those top flights. But to do it, yeah, as someone, you know, who enjoyed this video game, 
decided he was going to go to school and become a coach and he's just been kind of doing it. It's, it's really awesome. Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, I feel like that's all of our dreams. Uh (laughs) Like football managers is a chance for those of us who wish we could coach a team to sort of have that, that finger in the pot uh, and to, you know, have the sort of real like, experiences of being a coach but yeah will still is able to take that finger in the pot and make it a full fist like he was able to become a coach from his knowledge of this game and studying i would love to see his save files actually yeah, to to see like yeah what what teams he managed where he took them if he did any like park to prem type of situations yeah, right that's um, I really want to see that that's that would be awesome but however you know we must emphasize that Will still did not learn everything from video games and that yeah. he has put in the work throughout his career to make him the coach he is today uh, as I alluded to earlier he had a very insightful interview with Sky Sports. And kind of the big pull quote from that was uh, with the football manager thing, for example, people think I'm some spotty geek behind my computer that's just been dropped in at Stad D Rams. It's uh, and is doing an unbelievable job. But I've been doing it for 10 years and the experiences I've accumulated or tried to accumulate have helped me and are still helping me today. People say, oh, he's got no coaching badges, no qualifications. He's just played computer games. I went to university to study football coaching. I've got the highest level diploma you can get for the moment in football, and I'm still studying for the pro license. I realize it's a fun story and one that catches the eye, but I also know that people behind it all know somewhere deep down what the reality is. Basically, what he's saying is that, you know, there's there's no sort of. You can't just play the game and then, you know, start coaching a team. You really have to get into a lot of psychological lessons. You have to learn so many ins and outs beyond, you know, just the tactical uh, plans. You have to understand how players uh, react to certain things, how you have to deal with so many different personalities. And also, you know, these are professional athletes. They are there for a paycheck and to win trophies or whatever. Uh, So you have to kind of deal with a a lot of different dynamics. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really cool what he's been able to do. I know that of course we're like football manager. That's amazing. But Mm -hmm. he really has put in the work. I mean, he's become the, Younger, he's the youngest head coach in Europe's top five leagues. I mean, he's got players that are older than him. Yeah, he's um, he's done a very amazing job with man management. Arsenal fans will be happy to hear this. I know today wasn't a good day, but you know, Reem Success, the on loan striker known as Fuller and Balogun, who is 22 and may soon be uh a U.S. men's national team member. He is currently fourth in the League One goal-scoring stakes with 18 goals behind names such as Kylian Mbappe, Alexander Lacazette, and Jonathan David. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing for that kid and for you know the men management that Will still has. 
we're gonna definitely have in the show notes some um, videos that you can see of will still one one that's really funny i can't get over it uh-huh. <laughs> where he's he's talking in like this beautiful french and then he's like three fucking points on sunday yep yep <laughs> <So> exactly <laughs> but yeah i mean he's he's a great he's a great coach and he's really definitely someone to follow to follow and for anyone that's not really aware, that it's Reams. They are E I M S. They're currently eighth in League One, the French league first division. And yeah, there's a couple games left, so I would definitely pay attention to them some more. And yeah, well, and the, therein lies the issue with a, a lot of trying to like follow European teams is. You know, trying to figure out, you know, what <laughs> who shows the French league. I want to say it's probably is it BN Sport? Is that who carries those games? BN Sports currently? does. Um, last year it was ESPN Plus. Yeah. Um, they may have dropped them. I'll have to. I'll do a double check, and we can put it in the show notes after. But. Yeah, yep. they they definitely used to showcase League One because they, but now they also do um, the Spanish League and the German League, so that'd be interesting to check. Though, I'll yeah. I'll definitely do a double check for listeners so that they can go and check them out. Media rights are frustrating, and especially when it comes to European sports in general, it is really tough to keep track of it, especially as things can change from season to season. Oh, I play, I pay subscriptions to like 12 different streaming services because I'm like, where do I have to go to watch this? It's like, okay, I'm sling for Premier League. Okay, uh, <laughs> FA Cup is on ESPN Plus. Oh, wait, the Champions League and Europa League. Oh, I have to get Paramount, Paramount Plus now. Yep. <laughs> it's like, yo, <sighs> please stop. Oh, if I want to watch DC United, I have to have Apple TV. Okay, well, <laughs> that's like $60 and a bunch right there. Like, dude, you're killing me. We just need Amazon to buy everyone over. We're <laughs> totally getting off topic. But I would say, you know, actually the, the ones that are getting my money at the at the moment are doing like really good production uh, yeah. for their league. So like I've said before, Galazzo with uh, Paramount Plus, they do really outstanding, you know, studio work. MLS 360, super awesome. And yeah, when it comes to like ESPN Plus, they it's literally just the games are just thrown up on stream and there's very little kind of uh, yeah. fanfare around that. I think my least favorite is ESPN, mainly because yeah. I, yeah, I don't like any of the pundits. Like all of them are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but- they're, they're ugh. So, yeah, so, you know, that is the the story of Will Still, and I think it's super cool to see that, uh, you know, and, and even though he downplays it, like, I, I you know, you want to say, like, there is value to, like, simulation and the fact that yeah. you can gain a lot of, like, insight into what that day-to-day you know, moment to moment stuff is like for a manager, you can get more into that headspace way before, you know, a lot of people do. And like you said, 30 years old, 
youngest coach, you know, or head coach in the European leagues um, is outstanding. So that's Crazy. that's awesome. I I hope he does good stuff. Yeah, we're we're hoping for we'll still maybe he'll see this on podcast and be like, oh, <laughs> maybe I'll get that. Let, <laughs> let's hear them talk some crap about me. <laughs> but now let's no, uh, not at all. Let's let's move into our news stories our of the week. Interesting news and some very analysis. interesting analysis. Yes. So the UEFA Champions <laughs> we, League will start. Uh, should with. we just get it out of the way? Should we just should we just jump jump the story forward and just should we talk about <laughs> Arsenal? Yeah, I have a pause in case Daniel needs to cry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Manchester City versus Arsenal, which just happened a mere hours before recording. A pretty dominant display by Manchester City winning the game four to one and really taking the reins in this title race. Just devastating. And, you know, the thing I have to say about it is Arsenal <laughs> game planned for Holland, but it was Kevin De Bruyne who played out of his skull in perfect. this game. I that was you know how we talked about Iniesta earlier, um, you know, sort of being clapped off by Real fans, um, you know, because oh, yeah. of the perfect game he put in. Our classic episode. This was. I couldn't be mad at it. I couldn't be mad at De Bruyne. I, I I would say he's one of those players. He's like a Rooney for me, a, a guy I, I deeply, deeply respect because he's just that good. And boy, he just shows up for these Arsenal matches. I have no idea. Yeah, that first goal that they had, we were like, you know, I was watching with two Arsenal buddies of mine, uh, one my roommate and then a friend of mine, Gabo. And... We, you know, at first we're like, how did Ramsdale not save that shot? But you go back and look at that, that shot that De Bruyne had for that first goal and the curve of it was Mm -hmm. perfect. I mean, it was like, yeah, it was something out of pool or as we say, snooker in England. And man, it was just downright perfect. I really felt they were dominant the whole game. And, and. I think that's one thing that Pep sort of anticipated was how much Arsenal was going to be playing to to Holland. And uh, you so one thing that just shows is that they had two guys uh, on him pretty much the entire match. Uh, But the sort of like pivotal moment was him. Uh, receiving kind of a long ball. I want to say it was from Gundogan who cleared it out of the box. He kind of just, you know, lets it, he chests it, it rolls off. He sees De Bruyne making a run and he just gives a nice through ball. Uh, to a degree, it was, it was really uh, Gabriel Arsenal's center back who got pulled way out of position and that's what kind of allowed De Bruyne to do that. And it was about two to five minutes later that the same thing happened where yeah. he got pulled in and then De Bruyne found an opening and then, you know, just about did the same. Th- it was the exact same play uh, minutes later, but fortunately it went a bit wide uh, before the end of the half. There was kind of a controversial. Uh, I think goal. it was offsides, man. 
this goes back to our VAR episode and in to a degree like I'm convinced ain't no (laughs) way that that foot was ahead of that shoulder I mean what it was so Rob holding you know well so the thing is it was a uh, set piece uh, where uh, you know there was a little bit of jostling going on Uh, I want to say it was it was probably party who was kind of given uh, Stone's bit of a shoulder, uh, but it was uh, 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 holding on the back end who really just kind of overextended. And then initially what was, you know, so the ball, you know, gets whipped in, uh, connects with Stone's header goal. You know, he started celebrating, but the uh, line referee uh, had his flag up indicating offside. Yeah. Uh, so then, you know, the it's disallowed, but then VAR check happens. And then minutes later, uh, it gets reversed and it was a goal for, for stones. So I'm, I'm so, I'm so interested. Like you see that first <laughs> angle and you just see the shoulder and it's like, Oh, that's clearly offside. Super and then, duper offside. And yeah. then you go to another angle and you're like, Okay, there's a foot, but like I don't. <laughs> but also, think that's... his hand is out there as well, and uh, yeah. is his is his you know fingernail like beyond the line, like you know again. I'm, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> dude, I don't think that. And me, I love to harp on Arsenal when I can, but I have yeah. to. I have to be fair at points. I did not think that was onside at all. I was really uh, surprised by that. Really rough, and and you know. I don't think it would have mattered in the long run. Like psychologically, it was really rough for Arsenal to go into the second half, two goals down. It had already been kind. It was an ugly match. Uh, Nobody. I think like, you know, uh, again, kind of going back on it. uh, Arteta told the players to like really be physical out there and to give the, you know, kind of lay down the hammer. Um, Kind of like that episode of uh, <laughs> of uh, Ted Lasso, where you know uh, the players get shown the videotape of Nate tearing oh my down God, the lead yeah. sign, and then they just go out and just play like garbage because they're trying to beat up the other team. That's kind of like the the uh, illustrated or what I'm kind of illustrating here is like. Arsenal was coming out real chippy and real physical against City. I saw Saka. Um, I saw Saka chest bump uh, someone, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What's happening, Starboy? Starboy!" <laughs> and of course, like literally thirty seconds later, he's hugging the guy, and I was like, "Okay, that's more like it." <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it was one of those things where I think yes, they came in with like a good mentality, but tactically they got completely outplayed as much as they were trying to get into the city players heads. That wasn't doing anything like you saw, you saw uh, Thomas party coming in and trying to shoulder check Holland and Holland's like, what are you doing? And then meanwhile, you know, or he kind of, he feeds a little back to him. Party goes down and Holland is like, what, what even was that? Like, he's like, dude, I thought we were scrapping. Like, come on, man. (laughs) I thought, I thought party had a really bad game to be honest. I, it's like, it's like that scene in the gentleman where, uh, oh gosh, where, um, 
oh, who's the actor? I'm forgetting the actor, but he's in the uh, kind of like eatery and all the the chavs are in there and, and they try like threatening him. And he's oh you God, know, kind yeah. of just, you know, kind of like they've got they've got knives and stuff and he's just like whipping them out. And, I thought you <laughs> came for I a fight. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, this it's is a good old what's fight. Up here in the gray, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That's that's what this game was. I mean, it just showed <laughs> just men among boys, and really, that's kind of city is so experienced. They've they got are. absolute killers in their veteran leadership, and then you know Holland is an absolute freak. Uh, Arsenal the robot. Arsenal really is. They are boys. Like they, they are a young, they're young the, team. I think they're the youngest team in the Prem. Arteta's one of the youngest managers in the Prem. Yeah. So you know, to give credit, what they've been doing, being top of the league, and to be fair, they're still top of the league. We're not saying yes. it's over. I mean, I think it's over, but <laughs> but we can't we can't deny that what they've been doing in the league has been nothing short of fantastic. And I feel gross saying that. But just to wrap it up, I mean, uh, Kevin De Bruyne got his brace, uh, put him up and then uh, Rob Holding kind of in the 86 minute got a consolation goal. Uh, it was really city. Uh, kind of letting off the gas during a set piece. Uh, yeah. A couple of players just got caught out of position. They were trying to sort of prevent um, kind of like a uh, edge of the box type of, you know, shot. But I, I just don't think people were in their correct positions. And Holding just, you know, received a simple little grounder and he just Placed it. it in. It was yeah. top bin from a defender. So yeah, that was not on my bingo card. Was a Rob holding goal. <laughs> like what? I was like, bro, this is definitely the guy that's gonna have the worst game, and he ended up having the one goal for Arsenal. I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, but what? because it is, it is a city team, and it, it is a city team with Holland. Uh, he did eventually get his uh, 500th goal in you know stupid times. So. It was it was coming too. Yeah, he, it really has, was. he has officially broken the record. Yeah, um, with his 33rd, 32nd, one of the two. Uh, 33rd, I want to say. Yes, yeah. 33rd goal in the league, which uh, takes his total for all competitions to 49. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. Oh, this is just disgusting. It is uh, really he's only, gross. He's only 23. We're stuck with it for so long. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't That's deal with it. Disgusting. So... This is, this is what we have to look forward to next year. <laughs> yeah, so continuing on with Man City, Man United beat Brighton in penalties, mm-hmm. which, of course, David De Gea didn't save a single one because he's butt. Um, <laughs> but Victor Lindelof slotted home after a Sully March miss. So now we will have the first ever Manchester Derby at a FA Cup final. Yeah. Ooh. That's going to be interesting. Now, this has some pretty big, um, what's the word, 
I'm going to say stakes. Now, yeah. Manchester United are the only team in England that has won the treble. That is winning the league, winning the highest domestic cup, known as the FA Cup. Actually, the oldest cup in sports history, by the way. This fun little yep. tidbit. And winning the European highest title, which is, of course, a Champions League. Now, we don't know if Man City is going to win the Premier League or the Champions League, but they have a pretty good shout at both. Now, they are now set to play Man United, their, you know, cross-the-town rivals in the FA Cup final on, I believe, June 2nd? I'm yeah. nervous. <laughs> well, and, and this is the thing, is uh, they a lot of Manchester City supporters have, you know, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson on their lips because they they want that trouble and they kind of want to uh pip Manchester United in in some kind of way there so yeah. they they are fiending for it right now and i mean yeah the the sharks just smell all the blood right now and it's going to be nuts seeing these last few weeks of soccer and I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it at all. I By the time of the FA Cup, we will know if City has won the league. We will know if they're in the final, which will likely be against an Italian team. Um, mm-hmm. They have to play Real Madrid next. But then it's Inter versus AC Milan on the other side, which is really cool because they play at the same stadium. Yep, San Siro. Yeah, so there will be there will be no home and away basically. That's it'll, wild. It will basically be two like cup matches, like one after the other. I'm really yep. excited for that. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see. And um, May and I right now are not a good team. They have a couple of injuries. I can roll off. I can roll off a couple just off the bat. Uh, Lissandra Martinez. Mm-hmm. Rafael Varan, Scott McTominay, uh, Bruno Fernandez has been in a boot. He's not going to play the game against Tottenham. Uh, Marcus Rashford is playing, but he didn't do a thing during that game. He looked so like locked up. I'm sure he's playing injured. And then, of course, we have Tony Martial, who isn't injured, but always injured. I don't know what's up with him. And then lastly, our star boy, Alejandro Garnacho, uh, who is out for the season. So we're going to have to see. Maybe some guys will come back. That'd be really great. But I'm not that confident that we're going to have a full squad. Whereas this Man City, I mean, they got to be injecting themselves with vitamins every single day. Yeah. Like <laughs> It's crazy how, how like in shape they are. They have one injury. Well, and I think that's a testament to Pep's uh, managerial style is that he, you know, he rests pe- or players when they need to. You know, he if players are not on form, you know, he puts them on the shelf till he needs them. Yeah. Uh, he he is always rotating, always tinkering, and he's just a tough guy to guess. You know, and it shouldn't be too hard because, yeah, you know, you Holland is, is going to be getting looks all game long. But, yeah, when you have the likes of, of Kevin De Bruyne just lighting it up uh, at will, um, that's just super scary to, to face. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough one. Man City has been playing this system where they basically play a four back 
but it's four center backs, mm-hmm. um, which has been, I think they've conceded one goal since they've started doing it, which is absolutely nuts. I'm yeah, I'm super nervous. It's going to be, it's going to be gross, but it might be the last chance for stopping the trouble. So we're going to have to see, but moving on as we were just talking about champions yeah. league. Speak. Yeah. Speaking of champions leagues, I mean it, the head of the champions league, I'm forgetting the name. So Alexander Seferin. Seferin. He says that the champions league could be played in other countries such as, and he name dropped the United States. That would be crazy. So that wouldn't be for quite a number of years because yeah. 2024 is in, in Istanbul. Uh, and then you've got 25 or no, uh, 23. Hold on a sec. The Euro is in Istanbul. Uh, 24 is London and 25 is Munich. And then he says yeah. uh, after that, then we can see. But you do have kind of a question to me is where would you like to see this? Yeah. Uh, where, in the United like, States? where would you? I mean, hey, would uh, DC's possible new stadium be built by then? Uh, I wait, DC. Yeah, now that oh, we have the, the uh, commanders, the ah, yeah, it I wouldn't be it wouldn't be anywhere other than FedEx is what I'm hoping. Right. No, you know, so I would say it would be an NFL stadium um, for yeah. sure. I my biggest guess uh, would be Cowboys Stadium. Oh, uh, that'd be interesting. Wh- whatever that one is called. There's also the Atlanta uh, Superdome down there uh that's an incredible place i think there's an incredible soccer community there too and i think yeah you just have tons of of uh attention uh and yeah mercedes-benz stadium is is just incredible. that's a great stadium i think um, for, for me i would think like um given that you're trying to bring in an audience from europe that probably you know obviously doesn't know the united states as well as those that live here, I would said I would think that they would pick somewhere like L.A. Maybe play at the L.A. Rams stadium. Yeah, which is that's a so far. Yep. Yeah, which is a super like updated, very new, massive yeah. stadium in a city that anyone in the world, if you said Los Angeles, they know exactly what it is. Yeah, and I mean, you could even look at New York uh, if you talk about MetLife Stadium where the Jets and uh, Giants play. That stadium is gigantic, and I think that's that's a good good, That's a good one to, you know, I think that's a great stage uh, for that. Um, But Dark Horse, um, the new uh, Tennessee Titans stadium that's gonna open in like 2025 or something like that oh that's a good one it's like a 1.3 billion dollar project that basically the the uh, i forget what city it, it is uh that will be basically footing the bill uh for the team but um that looks really impressive uh dark horse but also that. uh oh it'd be nashville wouldn't it nashville oh, yeah, probably soccer hotbed it's, yeah. it's 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 a dark I was horse wondering pick. that would they pick a soccer city? I mean, L.A. is a big soccer city. New York is a big soccer city. 
I think, uh, yeah, it's one of those things. It'll take some research. It'll take, you know, some some uh, studies of, yeah. of Nashville is relatively new, but yeah, I mean, they're not bad. I mean, damn, they're they're good. And actually, like, there's a ton of history uh, with Nashville that, you know, could actually be kind of a, a show at some point. Um, but that would be like a dark horse pick for me. But I think realistically, yeah. Uh, San Francisco or uh, not San Francisco, but, you know, uh, wherever so SoFi Stadium is right. uh, MetLife or down in Texas at the AT&T Stadium. I think it is so. But also, as I was uh, reading about uh, Seferin, he is also looking for uh, UEFA leagues to have um, a salary cap. And that's kind of interesting. <laughs> a little, little bit of a tidbit. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! 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 That would that would change the game. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh my God! Um, Could you imagine? No, Cristiano, you're not getting paid six hundred k a week. <laughs> Fine. You know that's then then yeah you you'll know who the real mercenaries are. Yeah. They'll, right. They'll exactly. End up in, yeah, the the Saudi Arabian leagues or Chinese leagues or so whatever. Wherever. That's so interesting. Yeah. I've I've always thought about that in the Premier League, like what if they had salary caps? That would that would absolutely flip the table. Bonkers. Like I don't think they'd ever agree to it, but yeah. Um, moving on from talks of Premier League, we have the Women's Super League, also known as the Women's Premier League in England. Currently, Man United are holding the top spot as Chelsea is lurking in the shadows. There are four games left for Man United, but Chelsea still have two games in hand. This is sort of like the Arsenal it's, Man City men's uh, situation yeah. where. But Man also, U- City is making a move as well. Yeah, there's a couple. So, all the top four are all within about four points of each other. So, it could be anyone's. Chelsea is amazing. Um, yeah, I mean. Um, it, it could be anyone. So in, in sort of reading about this, uh, I want to take a moment to kind of throw a shot to uh, a real bonehead uh, is is um, Tottenham Tottenham Spurs uh, owner uh, Dan Levy uh, talking about how uh, the WSL should do away with promotion and relegation. Yeah. Have you, have you caught that? Yeah. Uh, screw that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Simple as that. Screw that dude. He isn't a football person. He's a banker and yep. <laughs> he needs to get the F out of my sport. But, you know, here's here's the thing going back to Arsenal is that even if Arsenal, you know, if the league slips through their fingers, the fact that Chelsea and Tottenham had such nightmare seasons this year will be enough consolation for it. I'll be like, yeah, that's fine. I'll take my Champions League. Plus my St. Totteringham's day and, you know, Chelsea just being bad. I will take all of that oh, for yeah. sure. Can you, can you explain what St. Totteringham's day is? Because I genuinely don't know it. It's it's a lovely uh, holiday. It it doesn't happen every year, but it happens most years. But it is the day when uh, Arsenal is determined to be mathematically uh, superior to Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> uh, at the end of the season. So That's so it, funny. It, 
it's not necessarily the end of the season. It's just when it is determined mathematically that Tottenham cannot surpass That's amazing. Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my my buddy Forrest texted our group chat and was like, happy St. Tottering's Day. And I was like, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> but that makes so much sense. <laughs> it is a lovely tradition. And it's, yeah, no. So, so yeah, I will take Champions League. I will take that. And yeah, whatever. Just roll, roll the bones the next season. It's interesting. We also have to highlight back to the Women's Super League that, you know, there are, it's kind of crazy. I don't know if you've checked this, um, but quick little tidbit that ACL injuries are far more common in the women's game than in the men's game. Arsenal by themselves have had three ACL injuries this season with uh, Leah Williamson, who is the England captain and the Arsenal captain ruptured her ACL about yeah probably about a week ago Um, so she'll be out for like eight months or so it's it's crazy I I don't get it but we'll have to see it's weird you know because the the fact you know remains that you know sort of like the women's professional leagues you know, are in and even the national teams, uh, they are always kind of get, you know, tr- not even treated second fiddle. It's like kind of like an afterthought type of deal. So whether it has to do with facilities or, you know, staff, yeah. um, it's it's tough to say uh, where where that lies. But, you know, hopefully at a certain point that that type of trend reverses. Yeah, and do you want to round us off with the news about the U.S. men's national team? So, U.S. men's national team uh, has a new sporting director, uh, Matt Crocker. Uh, Haven't done a ton of reading on him, but I kind of just sort of slotted this in as like a a last-minute little uh, men's national team thing. Uh, There's actually a pretty comprehensive uh, article on goal uh, about, you know, have like a interview he did where he talks about various aspects um where he's kind of like gonna kind of shift the culture uh he is you know he is kind of like running things as far as like the overall direction of u.s soccer he is uh on the search for a brand new you know manager uh aside from the caretaker we have right now uh he is considering sort of all the different possibilities there, you know, Jesse Marsh is, you know, kind of being talked about as a potential candidate. Uh, Greg Burhalter, he is being shown as a potential candidate. But the thing is, uh, what Crocker is looking for is someone who can lead. And this is probably a bright spot where, like, I think people can breathe easy when it comes to the Burhalter thing is that I think in terms of his leadership or kind of like man management i think it showed some holes uh this year um particularly with the drama that was uh stirred up with the team there was also just sort of moments um you know kind of a couple years ago uh there was an incident with uh weston mckinney when he kind of like circumvented covid protocols he <laughs> you know what he happened? brought people over to his hotel you know what room. you know who he had over <laughs> no christian pulisic's sister what 
Yeah, you should you should look at that story. That's a fun one. Oh no. <laughs> Well, and McKenny is back in hot water now because a, a friend of his um, started slamming uh, Leeds United in like a group chat or a Twitter thing or something. He had to come out and like make a statement saying uh, that I have not discussed anything about Leeds with this friend or anything like that. And like oh he's God. had to like really. God, he's a great player, but he his his maturity is is sometimes he's still young. He's still young, but man, <laughs> the man dem the man dem letting them down, unbelievable. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's a little bit rough, but um, we are kind of rounding out the finish of this episode, and I really enjoyed this. Um, I, you know, I haven't, we haven't done a whole lot of discussion about the next episode, but if, if you would allow me to kind of like spitball this right now, I think go for it. I would love to do a deep dive into the structure of FIFA to sort of talk about, you know, FIFA as an entity, the confederations underneath that, and then the leagues and associations that operate kind of within the football pyramid, as it's called. So I think that would be a fun little episode to do. What do you think? I'm definitely down for that. Um, I'm also going to do a reach out to my aunt who definitely will say no because uh-huh. of legal reasons. But uh-huh. <laughs> if I can even get a sliver of information out of her, then I'm all down. I'll message her tonight. That would be awesome. But yeah, so Tom, where can the good folks find you online? Yeah, so guys, you can find me on Instagram at T.I. Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N, 94. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at Snitch McConnell. And then you can find me on Twitter uh, at Daniel605Wise and on Instagram at Professor SDFC. Uh, Tom, super fun episode today. Great episode. Really en- enjoyed talking about Will Still, who's still getting fine. No, he's not getting fine, <laughs> but. Um, that's just a fascinating story, and I'm uh, super happy that he was able to kind of follow his dreams. He's he's doing the thing that we all want to do, but uh, living yeah. out dreams. Thank you. Uh, you can find us uh, or the Artful Nutmeg uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Just search for the Artful Nutmeg. Uh, but yes, I've been Dan Wise. You've been Tom Ferguson. Thank you all to our who are listening to our show and supporting us. Uh, remember to be well and watch more soccer. Take care. <laughs>